Amen. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Let's all worship the Lord together. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the
long to worship you alone are worthy of my praise amen praise the lord these are the days of elijah declaring the word of the lord and these are the days of your servant moses righteousness being restored and these are the days of great trial of famine and darkness and sword so we are the voice in the desert crying prepare ye the way over there and I was doing my part I, like I said I love to sing I really do I just love to sing to the Lord I, you know 
I don't know how much, I mean, I know the Bible says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> okay, I started off wrong. When I, so the Bible says that we're to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And uh, anyway, I don't know how joyful it is to him, but I sure do thank him for the opportunity to do it, to lift my voice to him. So for a couple of weeks now, uh, the messages have been uh, about forgiveness. Uh, I need my notes. Excuse me a minute. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I started to impress y'all and just jump right up. But I knew it would, it would make some people feel bad to see me fall. <laughs> so I decided not to. I had given Wendy my notes so she could get them on the screen. Uh, normally I copy them for her, and she's, so she has her own copy, but today I just had to give her my actual notes. So that was, I apologize for that. So anyway, I've been for a couple of weeks now, I've been talking about forgiveness. And I, I, I left out something last week, just didn't really have time to get to it. And so I wanted to come back this week and, and pick up that, that particular thought. And so the title of the message last week was Help Not Hurt. Help Not Hurt. And it comes from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Now, I'm adding in addition to that, verses 7 through 10. So if you will, please stand with me in honor of God's word as we read this passage of scripture and talk about forgiveness and helping, not hurting. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself, in regard to himself alone, and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. Now, I'm not going to skip verse 6, but uh, I, I really want to deal with verse 7 through 10. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Our Father God, we pray in this moment that you will speak to our hearts. We pray for the outpouring of your Spirit. Uh, anoint, uh, Lord, this time and anoint our hearts and minds. May we receive the truth that you would impart to us today. May we apply it to our lives that we might become more like Jesus. Thank you so much for this time and this place and this people that we're able to come together with. Uh, or draw us to closer together and strengthen us in our love for one another 
and our love for you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So I'm going to recap from last week real quickly and then get to the rest of this message. So last week I told you as believers we are to help others repair their brokenness. To repair their brokenness. And so we, uh, we talked at length last week about how he, he tells us to, to be uh, spiritual. In other words, as six, verse 16 says, to, to walk by the Spirit, uh, to, to live a life that is, that is filled with the Spirit. Uh, and so he, he says in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, which we would as believers, we have been made alive together in Christ through the Holy Spirit. He says, let us also then walk by the Spirit. So if we've been made alive in Christ by the Spirit, then our lives should be a life of walking in that Spirit, continuing in that manner in which we have been saved. And so he would go on to say then, those of you who are spiritual, that is, those of you who, who have uh, a life in Christ, but aren't living according to the flesh and aren't carnal, then it's your responsibility to, to help to restore uh, when there's brokenness. And remember I told you to start with that uh, the church has been known as the only army on the face of the earth that shoots its wounded. And I, I told you about the story I read about Hitler and, and, and everybody kind of gasped at that story knowing that that was not uh, the way an army ought to treat their soldiers. Then I told you I really didn't read that. But now that I've got your attention as to how horrible that idea and that act is, then how we ought to be people who are uh, restorative. We're not people who are who shoot our own wounded believers, spiritual people, those who are born again, alive in Christ, walking in the Spirit, have a responsibility to help to bring and restoration and help to restore our brothers and sisters who are in need. And so, I mean, he says in verse 10, especially those of the household of the faith. And so we have a particular obligation to one another in this regard. Uh, the second thing I told you from this passage of Scripture was that as believers, we must remember our own weaknesses. And so in verses 1 and 3, he, he, he uh, refers to this. He says in verse 1, the latter part, he says, so that you too will not be tempted. And in verse 3, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And we talked about how each of us are so capable of anything that we might condemn someone else for. And then thirdly, uh, we, we uh, looked at this idea from this passage of Scripture that as believers we are to reject pride and arrogance. You see, it's in pride and arrogance that we will have that attitude that we somehow uh, would never do something. Um, you know, I would never neglect my child. You know, I mean, we, we can think of a, a hundred and one different scenarios where we might uh, be tempted to be condescending towards somebody, condemning towards them for something that we think we would never do, when in reality, each of us are capable of anything. It's easy to look at an Adolf Hitler 
and say, I would never do anything like that. Well, let me tell you something. If you had been born in Adolf Hitler's place, we might not be talking about Adolf Hitler. We might be talking about, I'm trying to think of how to say Roger in German, but I don't know how to do that. Uh, so uh, we might would be talking about somebody else. I mean, does that mean Adolf Hitler is not responsible for his actions? Absolutely not. But the point is that we have to be careful not to ever reach a place where we think that we would never do that. And that's why it's important for us to have a close walk with the Lord, to walk in the Spirit, and to uh, really have in our lives those guardrails and things that help us to stay on uh, the path that leads to life eternal and, and not on that wide road that leads to destruction. And two things that really cultivate uh, our, our, our weakness, let me say it that way, is pride and boasting. So he says, each one must examine his own work and he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. And I explained that last week and so I want to move on then to this week because here's, here's what I, as I, as I preached this, last, this message last week and the one before, uh, the week before, then um, I, want, I began to think, I, want it, I don't want it to sound like that, um, uh, well, that, that those of us who, who are to extend forgiveness um, I, I, I fear that it is, well, let me just move on. Let me just, I don't even know if I can really express what I'm thinking. Maybe just continuing, we'll, we'll express it. So here's the, the thought I want to get to this morning. This is, there's only one thing, only one statement, but we've talked about how um, we're to restore uh, those who are broken, we're to Remember our own weaknesses, reject pride and arrogance. Now, if you find yourself there in this place where you, you are the person that he is saying needs that restoration, and I want you to know, I have been that person. I have been that person. And I, I didn't get to that place accidentally. Okay, and so I have been that person, which is why it's so close to my heart to say to every person, do not be so arrogant to think that you would never do something. Don't think that. Don't think that you aren't capable of something somebody else has done. Don't think that you're not capable of, you know, you watch, uh, you watch uh, Dr. Phil <laughs> Some of y'all laughed and said, it tells me right there you watched Dr. Phil. See, I was fishing. I was a, that's called a fishing expedition, and your response just tipped off the reality that you're a Dr. Phil watcher. But Dr. Phil will have people on there, and, and we'll sit there and go, what is wrong with those people? Those crazy people, I would never do, you know. Don't, don't ever be so arrogant. And I, I'll tell you, I have a 
problem with pride. I have a problem with pride. And some of y'all might be going, well, that's sad, Pastor, because I sure don't have one. You, you just tipped it off right there, too. So I have a problem with pride. I have a problem with arrogance. I have a problem with doing things that uh, I should not do. I am a person who has had to be restored in, uh, by those who are spiritual. Now, I want you to hear from this passage of Scripture this statement. The trespasser will deal with the consequences alone. Okay, so there are two verses in this passage of Scripture that I didn't deal with. In verse 2, he says, Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. But then he says in verse 5, For each one will bear his own load. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. But each one will bear his own load. And so I want to expound on that and explain to you what, um, what I just really believe is important for us considering everything else said in this passage of Scripture. When he says each one will bear his own load, the idea there is that of a, a person who has a great weight upon themselves and they're carrying, they're carrying a load upon themselves. That's the, the word load communicates uh, you know, a picture of someone having a great weight on their back and, and they're carrying that load. They're carrying that weight. They're carrying this, this massive amount of, of a load. Now, he says each one will bear his own load. The context here is in being someone who is, who is uh, in a trespass and in need of a restoration. And so here he's saying, this is what he is saying, you will, you will have to bear that yourself. I know that when I have needed restoration in my own life, I, I found myself feeling extremely alone. I, I felt myself feeling as though there was, you know, though I wanted someone to help me. There was no one that could really carry that load for me. Now, what does it mean then when he says prior to that, bear one of those burdens and fulfill the law of Christ? We talked about the law of Christ being the love of Jesus. It's, it's, he said When Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, love one another. So the law of Christ commands us to, to bear one of those burdens. What does that look like? Let's go back to the image I tried to get, to, to, to get into your mind. So someone is bearing their load. They're holding that load up. It's on their back and it's a, it's a heavy load and, and they're having to carry that load. I want to bear that burden with them. I found that the word bear has a lot of different definitions. There are a lot of different ways that the word bear, depending on context, can be applied. What it can mean. 
Have you ever said this to somebody? Hey, man, just bear with me a minute. Just bear with me. In verse 5, the idea is holding up, lifting up, bearing it under. You're under the load and you're holding that load up. In verse 3, the idea is to endure, to, to, to be patient with, so to speak. So the idea is that as we're restoring, those who are spiritual are helping to restore this goes back to the whole idea. We don't shoot our, our dead. We don't I mean, we shoot our wounded. We bear, we endure with them. And we, we help to carry the load as much as is possible, but there's a portion to where it's impossible to, to, to get under that load. Let me give you kind of an example. Or let me give a little bit more detail and then give the example. And so really kind of what you're doing is you might have your hands under helping and all, but, but you know, the, the main Weight is on the back of the person who's, who's bearing that load. But you're trying to help. But what are you, what are you doing? Here's, here's how you might be helping. One, you're going to obviously be praying for them. But you're also going to be saying, come on, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. Come on, you can carry it. Come on, come on, you can do it. So I go back to my old football days. And I, and I think about how when I played football, there was a decisive advantage to playing a game at home. Brother Carter, can I get a witness? So, when the team plays at home, what is it that's the advantage for that team? The home crowd. Because that home crowd is going to be cheering for the home team. They're pulling for one team and pulling against the other team. And so when that team is out there on that field and they have their home crowd cheering for them, you know what it does? It gives them a little extra something to know that they're being cheered on. In fact, the university, uh, the Texas A&M University understands this so much that they have dubbed the crowd, the home crowd, the, the 12th man. In other words, just like having a 12th man on the field, there's an advantage if one team has 11 players and the other team has 12 players, there's an advantage to the team that has 12. One extra man can mean a world difference. Well, that fan base, those people who are cheering on, they make a big difference. And so for the person who has that load and is struggling under that load and is trying to carry that load, to know that there are people who are cheering for them, saying, come on, you can do it. Come on, come on back. You, 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 know, you have people who are pulling for you. It makes all the difference. So he says, each one will bear his own load, but that the rest of us are to come along beside them and to bear, we are to endure with them, we're to patiently cheer them on, we're to help them as they carry this load. That's not by any stretch of the imagination, the idea that so often seems to be what actually happens where instead of helping them carry their load and, and cheering them on and, and, and trying to help them back, what we do is we turn our back and treat them like they've got the plague or leprosy or something. So he says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. I, I genuinely believe in my heart 
I genuinely believe in my heart that this struggle that I'm in as a believer, trying to walk with Christ, falling and failing like I do, I believe in all my heart that in heaven, Jesus is cheering me on. Come on, Roger, you can do it. Come on, Roger, you can do it. Come on, Roger. Oh, Roger, come on, get up, get up. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and gets back up. You remember Peter said, how many times, Lord, should I forgive my, my, a person who offends me? Seven, um, se- uh, seven times, and Jesus said, not seven, but seven times 70. Remember that? And then in Proverbs it says, a righteous man falls seven times. See, Peter was trying to be really spiritual, He's trying to be really spiritual. The law required you to forgive somebody three times. We went through all this. Jesus said, no, you're not going to forgive them seven times. You forgive them 490 times. And everybody was laughing when I was talking about that because you know how ridiculous that is. Now, the Bible says the righteous man falls seven times and gets back up again. You know what that means? It means he, he just keeps getting up because what Peter was trying to get at, the verse in Proverbs actually does get at. It's the number of perfection and completion. You just keep getting up until you get it completed, until you get it perfected. And I believe that in heaven, Jesus is going, get up, son. Come on, come on, get up. You can do it like my coach used to do. Get in there, Cole Pepper. You can do it. And he would make me do it over and over and over until I got it right or got hurt, which was sometimes the case. Because I was playing, sometimes I was playing against guys bigger and stronger than me and sometimes they hurt you, right? But Jesus, I really believe with all my heart, is cheering for me and cheering for you. And, And that's the law of Christ, that we love one another so, the way he loves us, that we're encouraging and cheering and trying to help the one who's carrying that load. He gives an example of, of, uh, he gives an example to, to illustrate what he's talking about when he, when he says that, that everybody will bear their own load. So he goes to verse 7 and says, Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows is, he will also reap. There's, there's going to be, uh, there are going to be consequences that are a result of your actions and my actions and what we do. And, and we're going to have to Deal with those consequences as they come. But God is pulling for you. God is cheering for you. God's people as well. And in your mind right now, you might be thinking of somebody you know that needs to hear this. I'm telling you who needs to hear it. You do. Don't be prideful and arrogant and think that you don't need this message. He says, you're going to reap what you sow. The one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. I went out the other day and I decided that I was going to plant some sunflower seeds. I've watched the sunflower seeds grow at Brother Wayne's and, and, and I've seen the dove just flock in there like crazy and I said, well, I've got a little space now. I can, I can plant me some sunflower seeds and the dove are going to just pour in there and I'm going to have a dove shoot. Me and Jeremiah and Jacob and Clinton are going to get out there. Man, and the dove are just going to come in on, and we're just going to have a blast. So I went to get me some seed. They were 
all out of sunflower seed. So I said, well, what do you got? The guy said, I got some corn. I said, give me some corn. I took the corn out there and I sowed it out and, and I covered it up with dirt and I've been waiting on it to come up and waiting on it to come up and waiting on it to come up. And I went out the other day and dad gum, do you know what came up? Corn. Now I just had this idea I could plant corn and get sunflowers. Now, it don't work that way. It don't work that way. So we have to be guarded against what we're sowing. This is what he's saying. You've got to be guarded against what you're sowing. First of all, humbly walk before God. Walk in the Spirit. Know that you are not uh, as strong as you think you are. You're not as, as um, you know, above failure as you think you are. You're weaker than you might think you are. I mean, you have to know your own weakness and do not allow pride and arrogance into your heart because there's going to be a day when you're going to have to reap. And you want to reap from what you sowed. So he says, he goes on to say, let us not lose heart in doing good for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Now, I'm going to end it here. So then, while we have opportunity... While we have opportunity, you have the opportunity because God's given you this day. You have the opportunity tomorrow if God gives you that opportunity. While you have opportunity, look for the opportunities to be a burden bearer. Look for the opportunity to encourage people. Look for the opportunity to cheer somebody on. I thank the Lord that my parents were patient with me. I didn't go to kindergarten. Back then you didn't have to go to K3, K4, K5. <laughs> that's mine. I mean, anyway, you could just start first grade, and that's what I did. My parents tested me out. I didn't need all that K stuff. I was smart enough just to start first grade. <laughs> Okay, so thank you for laughing. That was a joke. <laughs> I started first grade, and uh, man, I, I'm, you know, I just was struggling. I was struggling, and, and I didn't pass math, and I didn't pass English, and I came home, and my daddy said, there's no hope for this boy. Let's just send him off to... No, that's not what he did. I'm... Embellishing a little bit. It wasn't actually the first grade. It was actually a little later. I don't remember exactly what grade, but I, I wasn't a great student. I wasn't all that smart, as you already have noticed. But my dad was patient. And you know, he said, Come on, son, you can get this. You can get buckled down. You can get this. You're smart enough to do that. And he cheered me on. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful that um, the Lord is that way with me. And I want to be that way with others. And I want you to be that way with others. I want us to be people who are, who are bearing the burden of other people. Praying for them. But in addition to that, encouraging them and, 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 and cheering them on to bring them where they need to be. While we have opportunity, let us do good 
to all people. In this context, this word doing good, what is in view here is this, the idea of restoration. The idea of being someone who is, who is a helper to other people, who is helping to help others to grow and to, to get where they need to get to. Not a person full of pride and arrogance. Not a person who thinks they're so strong that they can't fall. Not a person who is willing to shoot the wounded. But a person walking in the Spirit who understands their own weaknesses. A person who is humble before God and says, There go I, except for the grace of God. Let me encourage. I have an opportunity. Let me lift up, not tear down. Let me help, not hurt. So while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So, how would you say you would be described by others Are you a, a helper, a burden bearer, a person who lifts up, who helps to build up? My hope and my prayer would be this, that these three messages have really sank into our hearts and that as we go from this day forward. It would be said that we were people who helped and not hurt. In Sunday school, we're going through the seven letters to the church of Asia Minor. And this morning, we, we read about the church at Thyatira. Now, friend, I want you to know something. If this can be said about you at your funeral, you will have done well. Here's what Jesus said to the church at Thyatira. Among other things, he says, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance. Listen to this. And that your deeds, this is verse 19, chapter 2, and that your deeds, of late are greater than at first. Your deeds of late are greater than at first. What, what, what deeds are we talking about this morning? We're talking about doing good while we have the opportunity. We're talking about helping to build people up, helping to bring people to a closer walk with Christ through the way that we interact, talking about not being prideful and arrogant, talking about understanding our own weakness, talking about our responsibility to be spiritual and help to restore others. We're talking about building people up. Can it be said of me, can it be said of you that that is where we are in our lives. Will it be able to be said of us that that's where we were when somebody is standing preaching our funeral? I would like maybe for it to be put on my tombstone 
his deeds were greater at the end than they were at the beginning. In other words, he just kept on doing good. He never, he never quit. He just kept on helping people up. Hey, uh, Johnny Hunt said he wants his tombstone to say one thing, headstone, tombstone, whatever. He wants one word on his headstone. Others. Others. Well, my hope and prayer again is that God speak to our hearts today. We'd be helpers, not herders. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Father God, our prayer this morning is first a prayer of thanksgiving. Thank you for loving us the way you do. God, I thank you that you are so patient with me, that you forgive me. God, that you're for me and not against me. Lord, I thank you so much that I know you're working in my life to help me to grow to be more like Christ, building me up, making me stronger in my walk with you and my faith. But yet resisting in my life that pride and that arrogance that says, Oh, I'm better than them. Oh, I would not do that. Lord, I pray this morning that you would help me guard myself. And I pray, God, you would help me to be a helper to others. And I pray that for every person in this room this morning, that we would be helpers, encouraging one another, being a blessing to one another, bearing with one another. So God, I just pray your hand of healing upon the lives that need it. I pray, Lord, for your hand of correction upon the lives that need that. I pray, Father, for strength for the lives that need it. I pray, Father, for wisdom and knowledge and guidance and direction in the lives that need it. I pray for submission to your will and your authority in all of our lives. And we thank you for loving us and for saving us. And we pray your will be done in this room, in our hearts, as it is in heaven. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to come and kneel and pray, feel free to do that. I'll pray with you or do whatever I can do to help you. I will.
But during this invitation time, you just respond as the Lord may have spoken to your heart. All to Jesus I surrender all to Surrender. 